Hey, what's up? This is Christian Machado, and I want to say thank you to you because you are listening to The Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 304 of The Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. This week we've got another fun one because we've got Christian Machado, who you all know as the original vocalist of El Nino. He also has a brand new solo album that came out a couple months ago. And of course, we talk a ton about both those things. In a really cool interview with Kristen coming up, we've also got some great music from a band out of our area, and we might talk about a couple other things. But first, we need to let you know who we're sponsored by. DEB Concerts, promoter based in Tulsa that has brought a lot of killer acts to the downtown Tulsa area at the BOK Center and the IDL Ballroom. They also booked the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma. The show on December 12th with Lita Ford was recently canceled, but if you like Lita Ford, no worries, because April 10th, downtown Tulsa, outdoors in front of the Ideal Ballroom, Queensryche will be performing with Lita Ford, Nita Strauss, and the Bullet Boys. Very cool lineup there. You can get all your ticket info, debconcerts.com. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. We, of course, will keep you up to date on any other new additions to their calendar or any other reschedules as well. So keep it here and follow DEB Concerts. Hell Hot Hot Sauce is a hot sauce company located out of the San Francisco Bay Area. that makes small batch artisan hot sauces. You can check out their entire product line at their website, which is hellahothotsauce.com. You can also follow them on their socials. Both Instagram and Facebook are at hellahothotsauce. They do a lot of collaborations. They've got a couple with some metal artists, like Ghoul has a sauce called Brain Jerk, and Florida Frank from Hatebreed has a sauce called Florida Frank's Florida Heat. We've got a lot of that, and it's excellent stuff, but it'll, it'll burn your insides pretty good, so... If you're interested in hot sauce, get on hellhothotsauce.com and check out what they've got. If you're on the West Coast, you can find them in a lot of stores out there as well. But get on there and tell them we sent you. Sunset Tattoo. It's a tattoo shop in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. They are mother approved. Jake and his crew have over 25 years of experience. They do excellent work. You can see photo proof of all that work. On their Facebook, which is Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. Their Instagram is also at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. Give them a call or shoot them a message. You can set up a time to get over there, talk about what work you want to have done. If you contact them, check them out, tell them Thunder Underground sent you. And finally, Med Farm is a dispensary in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51, right off the highway. Can't miss them. Huge selection, and you can check it all out at leafly.com. They've got a drive through If you call ahead or text ahead, they'll have your order ready right when you show up. So that's very convenient. They also give 30% of their proceeds to build no-kill animal shelters, which is a pretty badass cause that we're very happy to talk about here. If you also mention Thunder Underground, they give you 10% off your first order. They're always running other specials as well, so if you follow them on their socials, MedFarm is P-H-A-R-M on Facebook, and MedFarm OK on Instagram. You won't miss any of that stuff. A huge thank you to MedFarm. Alright, let's get into some music before we get into some more talk. We're going to play a band out of Oklahoma right now. I think it's been, it's been what, a few weeks since we've played one of our area bands? Right, right. So due time we get back into this. And here's a band that somehow we've managed to make it 300 plus episodes and we've never played. I don't, I, I do believe we've never played this band. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we have. Okay. I know, I know that, uh, we might have early on, but I know we've talked about them before, but we've talked about them and it's just one of the, th- it's, it's, you know, I'm glad we're playing them now. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into this and we'll talk a little bit when we get back about it. But this is Follow the Buzzards. What you want. 
ship Then he blamed it all on me had the fortune of seeing live more than once right it's been a bit i know they just played live actually this past week at mercury lounge right but they're fantastic live and as you could tell from that song this is a great band i know they play a lot of shows with punk bands but as you can hear from that sound these guys could play with all sorts of bands all all genres this is kind of a genre bending type old school sound that also sounds fresh and cool well, and that's the thing is like, and that's kind of what I alluded to earlier. Shame on us for not having, you know, played these guys sooner. It's just one of those things, you know, we're doing all this shit. Next thing you know, we got this many songs and this many interviews yeah. and da, 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 da. We've got a long list on Google Drives of both right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, fuck. But this is like, this this band, this song sounds like nothing you've ever heard but it sounds like a lot of things you've ever you've ever heard at the same time. That's a great way it's to put it. It's a good roots. It's a good building blocks of rock and roll. Uh, kind of a surf vibe. It it, it kind of it's kind of defying. Uh, you know, oh look, I'm not going to be a, a hard rock band. I'm not going to be a punk band. I'm we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And um, I think that's a cool lane. And uh, so I'm glad we finally got to play them. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, their bio says rock and roll. I mean, they're a rock on, band. Dude. I mean, you got to right. love it whenever people embrace that. And we've talked about that throughout the years on here. I love it whenever you can just call a band a rock band or right. if that's what genre is this. They're just fucking rock and roll. It's like yeah. Rival Sons or Iggy Pop. It's just mm-hmm. fucking rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. Just uh, don't worry about what it is. Just hit the play button. Right. These guys are on Facebook and everywhere. Follow them, like them. They're also a part of the Mugen Music family with our buddy Ryan Paquette. Check these guys out and give them a follow. Give their other stuff a listen. If you're anywhere near the Oklahoma area and you see that they're playing, check them out because they're great live as well. And there you go. Follow the buzzards. Tell them you heard about them here. Kind of like our last episode, we didn't prepare. Do we have anything else, anything to talk about? I don't think so. I was no. thinking about that a minute ago. Yeah. I'm sure there is, but after that, you know, I don't know, I just... I'll spring one on you here, okay. just a question that we were asking ourselves, basically, every week back in the early days of the pandemic, which, you know, was like seven, eight months ago, um, when we were doing our Facebook Live thing, we'd always say, so what did you listen to this week? Right. This past... I mean, I guess we haven't asked that question in a while, so just recently, the past few weeks, like, is there anything that's kind of dominated your listening? Yeah, I've been on a big, uh, I, I saw that, uh, Mopop tribute to Alice in Chains. Okay, yeah. So I've been on a big Alice in Chains kick, and then it sent me on a, um, then it sent me on a big Pearl Jam kick, uh, which I was telling you about the other day. Yeah. Um, and then, uh. How did know, that go for you? 
Uh, when you got into the deep cuts, were you like bored or was it? No, it was a Did you discover some cool stuff? I discovered a couple of cool things. Um, you know, I, I mean, later deep cuts. We all know those first no, the, yeah, two I albums mean, are fucking masterpieces. Yeah, well, <laughs> and even Vitology see, is pretty fucking good, you know. See, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, we're more, you know, we're more hard rock metal cats. So yeah. once you get past 10, there's not a lot for us uh, in the way of the Pearl Jam catalog. Um, and we've talked about that over the years. Um, and uh, so, but, I, you know, I, I, I've kind of got ear fatigue lately. I've been listening to a lot of heavy shit, a lot of stuff that I've been listening to over and over. Um, so I just, I was like, I want something different. And I mean, there are some cool songs. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't remember a song title cause you know how <laughs> I go, but yeah. I mean, you know, there's, I found a couple of cool things there. Um, the, the one thing I thought was really cool is, uh, you know, there's, there's more, I ran across a couple of songs like short, loud, you know, almost like punk songs. You know, from Pearl Jam that I thought was cool. Okay. So that was cool. Yeah. But, you know, um, I, 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 and then I, I know that, I, I know that also coming up is going to be our best of. And so I'm like, well, let me, let me kind of go back. So I listened to Testament. That new record is amazing. Yeah. I uh, listened to, tried to do a couple things I maybe forgotten. Um, so I listened to the Lucifer three album. Okay. That's fucking great. Um, so. Yeah, that's just, uh, there's something else, uh, another album I listened to, but I can't remember. Okay. But, you know, the new Hatebreed I've been listening to. Yeah. Uh, the Elfson cover record. And I'm just going to continue to kind of, you know, spend my 2020 albums, just get ready for this best of. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of what has been in my ears lately. Yeah. What about you, sir? <laughs> well, the, I did kind of the same thing over the past couple weeks that you just mentioned, like, thinking of 2020 albums that, you know, have been out a bit and I hadn't listened to in a while. And one of them I listened to a couple times was the new Night Flight Orchestra album. Oh, that's uh, what I listened okay. to. Fuck. I'm like, I need, to, you said that. I need to figure out where this ranks because Night Flight, every time they've had an album has always been in yeah. like our top five. Right. And I'm like, yeah, this will probably be in my top five again or close there too. I mean, there's some other great albums up there, but Armored Saints stuck with me. Man, that's going to be tops man yeah. that's gonna be way up there dude yeah but as far as like the past few weeks specifically of course once power up came out listen to that a shitload and that sent me down an acdc kick for a bit there you go and then but then on the opposite end of the heavier stuff like those things i went like a few days where i didn't listen to anything but country okay and I mean, you know i've been there that's yeah, good i i always do Whenever I listen to country, it's usually like a big spurt for like one or two days. But this this, this one took me several days before I kind of like, okay, now I need to listen to something heavy. Mm. But it was the same guys over and over. It was literally nothing but the new Chris Stapleton mm. and then some old Chris Stapleton and right. then new Orville Peck. And there's not really old Orville Peck. That was last right. year. Right. But it was those two guys on constant repeat with Shooter Jennings added in there and nice. then a little bit of... You know, Cody Jinks and Whitey Morgan. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to anything old, you know, like classic country. But anyway, I, I can't stop fucking listening to that new Orville Peck. Right, right. Just fantastic. But that's not. Yeah, I need to listen to that. Um, yeah. Have you, have uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you listened to the new Sturgill Simpson yet? Yes. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, cool. What'd you think? I need to, that's another one that I need to go back to because after you told me. You asked me that again a few weeks ago. Right. So I finally listened to it. But it was one of those things I listened to it straight through and then didn't haven't listened to it again. But yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's Sturgill Simpson. The guy comes out of left field with everything he does. And yep. it's always great. And, you know, it's just bluegrass covers of all his uh, all of his songs. <laughs> yeah. Bluegrass arrangements. I love it. Yeah. You know, he, what was he? It's just crazy because, you know, what was it? A couple years ago, he was nominated for Best Country Album. Yeah. And now he's nominated for Best Rock Album for Sound and Fury. It's oh, is he really? Like, yeah. Just, <laughs> and he, you know, uh, and he made a post about it and stuff. And I mean, that's just cool. I mean, it's a Grammys. They don't know shit about fuck. But anyways, still though, it's it, it's, a, it's something to hang your hat on as an artist. That's kind of cool. And the, the thing is, there's very few artists that could not get in any of the 
you know, semantics about the fucking Grammys and how stupid they are with some yeah, of their categories. Yeah. But there's very few artists artists that could get nominated in both those categories, and it legitimately makes sense. Makes sense, yeah, exactly. I mean, Shooter Jennings could pull it off. Yeah, yep. I mean, I'm sure if fucking Pepper Keenan put out a country album, he could pull it off. But oh, like, man. You know, there's... It, it's just what... It, it, yeah, it's... I know at first when Sound of Fury came out, you weren't big on it, and I fucking loved it. Yeah. But I think you're, you I, came yeah, a little I around to, to it. I had but, to come around to it a little yeah. bit, and that's fine. Um, and it's just crazy because not everybody could do what he's doing. Most people, if most artists did that, people would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, but, but Sturgill, it's just like, it's open season and he knows it and his fans are along for the ride, which is, you know, you wish more music fans were like that, but, and he, but then again, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm totally opposite of that with other bands. You know, if ACDC came out with a fucking, you know, a polka jazz album, I'd be pissed off. Right. And so would the rest of the fucking world. Where you were. Sturgill Simpson came out with a polka jazz album, turn that shit up. I want to fucking hear more of it. Well, you so, weren't pissed off when Metallica put out a blues hard rock album yeah, exactly. in 1996. See, <laughs> see, so who knows? I don't know. I we we have in just a few short minutes here, we have just found out that I know shit. I don't <laughs> know anything. So you know, whatever. But the best part about Sturgill is he's done all this in a relatively short span. You know, mm-hmm. most people that would attempt shit like this would do it like Metallica. Wait, right. 15 years before yeah. they dropped the curveball. Sturgill's yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's my second album. Fuck you. This is who I am. Yeah, exactly. Or like Godsmack, who did 20 years of solid fucking caveman bro rock. And then just was like, hey, we want to do like a sing-songy uh, diet rock radio record. And it fucking blew up. And people loved it. And I... And it's better than the shit they did before. Well, that's what I'm I'll saying. Say it. It's like, I, I, don't I, I don't, I'm not a huge Godsmack fan, but just that they did that was like, oh, fucking hats off to you guys yeah. for saying, you know, fuck this. I'm tired of this. Let's do something different. Oh, people might not like it. I don't care. We've been doing this for 20 years. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, so those risks, you know, I, I, I applaud, I applaud when an artist does that. And I mean, I'm going to bring up someone you hate, but Kid Rock did the same thing fairly early on, and it worked out for him. Yeah, he did. He did where do he, that way early on, didn't where he? Where he brought in a few different genres and then yeah. kind of transitioned into that kind of just like middle of the road, you know, classic rock, diet yeah. country kind of sound. And, right. And, and, and it's worked out for him. Yeah. And, whether you like it or not. Well, and, and now his, his, now his core fan base is, uh, 51 year old, yeah. 51 year old housewives that are, just a little overweight. They like to wear fuzzy pink cowboy hats and drink Bud Light from an aluminum bottle. That's right. And they fucking think Melania Trump is the most beautiful first lady ever in the world. Well, she history. is. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not an argument. Fucking, <laughs> regardless of politics. Well, I'm just saying, no, you know those memes, some of, some, some of the house, that's all I'm saying. Right. I get you. You know. Uh, my aunt has done that, so hey, I'm you know I, I get it. You and know, they're we, banging some dude wearing a tap out shirt, drinking Monster <laughs> Energy for breakfast. <laughs> exactly. He's like 31. We know how this 51. is going to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they think the best show of all time is Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> this shit just went off the rails. <laughs> We're fucking assholes. No. I don't care. Christian uh, Mikado's listening right now going, why the fuck did I get on yeah, this podcast? Yeah, he's like, fuck me. I'm never talking to these guys again. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, whenever we're talking about stuff we were listening to, <laughs> I listened to Christian's debut solo album, Hollywood Sycamore. Like, right. of course, you know, we did preparing for this interview. And shout out to the Life of Agony cover. That's one of those things that I listened to two or three times, and I dug it, and then... You know how the Spotify algorithm works. Yeah. It ended up in my daily mixes. It ended up in your recently listened stuff. So then I I just kept hearing it more, and I, I'm really digging this thing. And like you just said, he does a cover of Life of Agony Weeds. He does a cover of Pink Floyd's Welcome to the Machine. He does a Post Malone cover. I forgot the name of the song. But to me, right off the bat, that's fucking cool. And we talk about that coming up, is that... He's got three covers on this album, and that, I mean that's about as opposite ends you can get on all three of those artists. Mm. So it's a really cool calling card here, and we're both massive fans of Life of Agony. So anytime someone shows some love to to Life of Agony, yeah, it's, I have the same feeling when you see Riley Gale in the Life of Agony shirt. 
Oh, right. And when I found out he did a cover of Weeds, I was like, this is cool. Yeah. You know, you got to give it up to this band. Anyways, yeah. go ahead. Well, you remember whenever I saw Riley Gill at X111, it's like in the middle of a show before it even finished, I'm, I texted you. I was like, yeah. look at the shirt this yeah, motherfucker's yeah, wearing. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so anyway, let's just jump into this because here's a good interview with Kristen talking about his brand new album, Hollywood is Sycamore, and of course some other stuff he's got coming up. Most important question I have for you, I think, is do you have a tentative date for that Shade Thrower black metal album? <laughs> well, I mean, it was that was kind of like just like a silly joke. Yeah, you I know. know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, dude, you know, I, I love extreme music, man. Yeah. It, it's always been a fantasy of mine to do like either a death metal or a black metal album. So when, when Blabbermouth put that out there, you know, I was just like, oh, man, they called me a shade thrower. And then <laughs> I was like, shade thrower. Damn, that's a badass black metal name. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, you know, I was just trying to, like, laugh it off a little bit, you know, not try to feel too bad about getting called a shade thrower. <laughs> yeah. I was looking, I looked at some of the comments on that and people were like, man, they're reaching now like fifth grade insults, you know, putting up. Shade thrower as a headline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, the internet world is lovely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I've been in. lucky though, man. I haven't. I, I luckily, it, it wasn't even shade that I threw on the, on it. But I know yeah. how it is. I know how press is, and it's cool to you know. It's interesting to uh, to headline single sentences without putting what you said before it or after it so that it may look like but yeah i just got to be more careful with how i say things not so much what i say but how i say them right <laughs> <laughs> well i guess jumping into the, the real stuff your solo album's now been out a couple months like how has the reception been so far from fans and everything everybody loves it man the album did really well um at least I, 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 it did better than what I expected, you know. Um, the fans love it, and that's really the most important thing. Uh, their perception of the album, how much it really touches them or reaches them personally, and that really was the most important thing to me. But um, the album did really well, and I'm very grateful that so many people did open their hearts and minds to it, considering it, it's, it's, it's not you know, like a hard rock metal album. Right. Well, have you noticed, the reception's been great. I'm very lucky. Have you noticed anybody? I mean, it's probably harder to notice now since you're not out like promoting it live, but have you noticed any fans come along that weren't obviously following you because of your metal history? Yeah. Like maybe new fans, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, the one thing that I've noticed is the potential for this kind of acoustic album to grow on people that are just general music listeners is very big. A lot of people that hear it for the first time that are not rock, really rock listeners or not really uh, niche listeners where they have particular niches that they listen to. They just like music on a general scale, you know? Um, people like that have really taken to the album a lot. And also... I've realized that people that are friends or family of other people that are El Nino fans that played that album for like their family or their friends and now their family and their friends took to it for some reason, you know? I think the songs are really good and that was really the only point in making the album was just all I care about are, you know, great songs and telling a really genuine message um, and, uh, and everything beside, beyond that, it's, you know, if things work out and fans really dig it, it's, it's like magical. That's what magic happens, you know? 
Right. So I'm very grateful and blessed. Was- but I've had, you know, I've had like the one, I don't know. I think the percentages are like 98% positive, you know? So there's like two out of a hundred people that may be like, this is not for me. You know, it's not heavy enough or I'm only into heavy music or whatever it may be. Uh, and things that appeal to them differently, depending how they grew up or what they like or whatever, you know? So it's not, and, and, and it's something that I realized early on in making this album. I realized, okay, I'm making a particular record that's bound to make some people unhappy, you know? And I realized that very early on. I, ex- I accepted it very early on. Well, I was reading some of the the critic reviews of it this past week, and it seemed like kind of the common theme on a lot of them were how evident your emotion is coming through. Like, how rewarding is that to to read stuff like that, to see that, like, what you put out there is being received, and I'm sure the way you were wanting it to be received. It's, like I said, man, it's like magic, because it's not something you could ever figure out as a musician, you know? And I think that the more that I observe musicians that I... um admire or look up to or I consider mentors, the more that I realize, you know, these are these are musicians that are very focused on making something as pure to them as possible. In other words, it has to really if if they're writing something and it touches them deeply, chances are there are other people out there that might feel that same way. Um, and that's really all I was trying to do, you know, trying to get things off my chest. I had gone through a lot of different stuff with family, with leaving the band. I separated from my family. Uh, you know, I, I separated from the band. Um, I was 3,000 miles away from my family, living in California alone at the time. I mean, I, you know, I had to go through a lot of obstacles that, um, that were challenging. But music for me has always been, in one way or another, an avenue to not feel so trapped within myself, you know? I've never been one to go to therapy until recently because of all the challenging things I've had to go through. And music always offered me a little bit of an outlet. Uh, But I think the older I got and the, the more serious things are that you have to go through. And then when the challenges get really severe and they has family involved and people's lives are involved, you know, it it could really affect you. So I think in that sense, through just having gone through so much, you know, the music itself that I was making became more, um, more dug into the real emotions of what, what I may have been going through without necessarily saying, you know, um, I separated from my wife, you know, something like that without getting too much in detail. You know, I tried to do it in a musical way, I guess is the the right way to explain it. Like the couple, uh, El Nino songs that you decided to rework, like how was that process? Was it easy to reimagine them in this style? Uh, I wouldn't say easy because the first couple of times that we tried it in El Nino, it was, a, I don't want to use the word a, disa- a disaster, but it didn't work out the way that we thought it should have. You know, we were using guitars tuned to the electric guitar tuning, and we were trying to kind of like fit an acoustic peg in an electric hole, you know, and it kind of didn't make sense. But you know, having been able to, to do this on my own and figure some things out on my own and with Conrado especially, we knew that we were going to make an album with a standard tuned acoustic guitar. There wasn't going to be like this down tuning thing like we had done in El Nino. And we just tried to build from that instead of saying, well, let's start where the electric instrumentation is at and try to make it acoustic we said no let's start at acoustic and put what the instrumentation of the song is around just the standard acoustic tuning 
and the voicings had to be worked out. And I was really lucky. I'm a very simple chord person. I mean, I like like ninths and sevenths and flat thirds, things like this. But Conrado really like was able to bring this musicality to some of the chords that was awesome to even watch. You know, I'm still a music fan, so I'm just sometimes in awe when I work with musicians that are amazing and I try to learn from them as much as possible, man, because those those are not lessons that, you know, you're going to find on YouTube or something like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really enjoyed your choice of covers on here, like kind of a broad spectrum between Pink Floyd, Life of Agony and Post Malone. Like, was that like an intentional thing to try to like span the gamut there? Well, it, it felt like acoustic music is a very inclusive niche you know it's not the type of musical niche that negates the beauty in songs and things like that so i i the main thing for me was to be able to take songs from different genres and different times completely i mean these songs are 20 years apart from each other um and i wanted to just work them into the vibe that i had in my in my head for the acoustic album the pink floyd song was a little bit more electro but it, it needed that or else it wouldn't if it doesn't have like that repeating synth in the background it's not really welcome to the machine um but the other ones i was a little bit more free with and i, I just wanted to do songs from completely different genres completely different niches of music and show that you know, the beauty of the song is really, the art of the song is really the most important thing. And, and learn in trying to do that myself, you know, trying to figure out how to structure, you know, a, a hip hop post alone song into something that fits acoustically and that fits right into the vision that I had in my head. So it's, it was fun. And as a musician, that's kind of what I guess we all strive for is, experimentation curiosity and things like that you know and once you're a musician and if you hit it big and start making your money that's where you kind of just stay where you are perhaps i don't know some bands still keep experimenting um you know i mean like metallica has had several kind of re uh inventions of themselves you know from the early stuff to Master of Puppets to Injustice for All to Black to Saint Anger. It's kind of like all reworked visions of what they do. And it just depends what, what kind of artist you are. I've always been, you know, the kind of musician to want to keep going or keep searching, listen to lots of different music, play a lot of different music. And uh, and, what, and I realize when I'm not doing that, I'm I'm not happy. I'm not as happy as I could be. Is Weeds your favorite Life of Agony song, or is that just the song you thought would work best for this album? Well, my favorite Life of Agony songs are on River Runs Red, for okay. sure. But Weeds really has an amazing sentiment to it that I thought was extremely powerful for, for the lyrical content on the album, yeah. which is a lot to do with growth and accepting suffering, accepting loss of, of loved ones, accepting um, anything in the past that you might have to come to terms and realize you weren't, you really weren't in control of, but you might have placed a lot of blame on yourself for a long time. And now it's time to simply take a step forward. What is the lesson you have to learn and accept it and move forward? And Weeds was exactly that, you know, it was, it's a song that, explains our relationship which i don't know that it's a love relationship i'd have to ask alan or mina um but it's a relationship between two people that was once beautiful and blooming and now it's just got these dark uh roots that have grown into it and that's really what weeds was and my, the entire album even the acoustic songs that i wrote have a sentiment of kind of acceptance a feeling of guilt and then being able to overcome that 
whatever the challenges may be. We've had Alan Robert on the podcast a couple times, and I asked him what he thought of that cover, and he said you did a an amazing job of making it your own. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, um, I, I I love I love Life of Agony, and those guys are you know such awesome people, man. I, I played it for Alan, and I had sent it to Alan and Mina before the record came out. Okay, just because I didn't want to, I didn't want to do a cover of theirs without them at least you know giving me the green light that it's okay to do it haven't been their friends i don't want to be that kind of guy to be like hey look what's on my album your song <laughs> you know so i had sent it to them and they were like oh man this is great so different and i'm super grateful if he if he likes it like that i'm very grateful yeah again playing into what we we're talking about earlier with the emotional aspect i mean you can definitely be emotional with metal but when you're doing music like this it's way more upfront and like it's either real or it's in my opinion it either comes off real or it comes off just you know forced yeah and yours definitely comes off real yeah. is that more nerve-wracking to you to do it this way like kind of on your own outside of a band aspect it was it definitely was I, 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 the whole time I was getting good feedback from the guys in, in the band, like Conrado, the Steve and Oscar, I was getting great feedback as far as like the demos of the songs that I was making at home. Also the label, like the demos, but in the back of my mind, there was always that musician concern of, you know, it's as simple as people not being open-minded to it if they don't want to be. It's as simple as somebody not being in the right mood when they first hear it. You know, there's a lot of elements that go into how will people perceive what this is, you know? And I think that that's why I kind of wanted to be honest up front with everyone. And I, the first thing that I had said when I left the band is I'm making an acoustic album and we're going to do something different. And hopefully that allowed some of the fans to not be in pure shock when they first heard Die Alone. But definitely there was a concern the whole time. After the record was mixed and mastered, then I kind of started listening from a different perspective and realizing, oh, wow, some of these songs really came out great. Then when it became complicated, picking which one should be the single and things like that, or which one should be the second single, we knew we wanted Die Alone as the first single, but when we started to kind of tally what fan, what the songs fans liked, it was really across the board. It wasn't like fans just have like one favorite, you know, they like all the songs and just completely across the board. It's something very odd, but maybe with acoustic music, it lends to that kind of thing. Once you put on the album, you kind of sink into it and you just vibe with it. Whereas maybe with heavy music, you're like expecting a certain thing every time and maybe listening to it differently. I don't know. But there was always a nerve wracking thing a couple of weeks before the album. You know, I was really stressed out, like worried. <laughs> and um, I didn't know what was going to happen. But when the album came out and it was number three on the on iTunes Latin Top 40 albums, I I wasn't expecting that, so I was like, "Oh my God, this this it actually did something." This is, I in my mind, I was like, "Ah, if it does nothing and it's good, that's all that matters." But it actually kind of wound up on some charts, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. Is it kind of tough to put something out like this, like your first solo album during this pandemic, where you can't get out on the road and promote it that way, or have you thought about that, like in ways to promote it now? It's it's definitely challenging because there is nothing to be done. I, I mean, I, I could put on stream. It's not something that you could do continuously. You put on one streaming show and maybe three months later you could do another one. Um, but I, I wish that I had the ability to go out and do shows. I understand why we can't, you know, and I realize the reasons why. You know, until everybody feels 100% comfortable going and packing up in a small space, it's not realistic to ask people to do that. So 
man, I'm just hoping that we kind of can get out of it with a little bit of sense of entertainment still. Because uh, it's extremely challenging as an artist be putting out an album and not being able to tour or play shows. Uh, there's a couple of things that I'm planning now, but it's not going to be as cool as going out there and doing the tour. You know, I'm not going to bullshit anyone. Um, and man, ultimately we had recorded the album before the pandemic. So we had a choice of that we hold on to it forever and that we had already postponed it once. And ultimately we said, this is just music, you know, let's just put it out. People may want to hear this now. It's an extremely challenging time. This kind of music may actually work well. And that's what we did. We just figured, okay, yeah, let's just put it out. We won't postpone it again. And we could have postponed it and said, we'll release it 2021 or something like that. But I think the music is, is better in this era right now. And, and, I, th and I think it'll grow. grow with I think that it's an album that people like and really listen play against. I think it's something that they'll wind up listening to forever. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, we've talked to several artists over the past this year, basically, that have said the same thing. Like, it's like, do we hold on to this forever or do we just put it out now and not able to really promote it? But personally, from a fan standpoint, you know, I obviously appreciate new music during a time like this, you know, especially something yeah, like what you're yeah. doing, where it kind of relates to what people are going through, too. And I can't I can't even imagine like the stress or or the concern that bands like in this moment had when they released their album during the pandemic. Black Veil Brides just released an album. Um, several bands that put out an album, you know, the Deftones just released an album in the basically during the pandemic. I can't even imagine the concern they had. For me, at least, it was like, oh, I'm kind of a new artist, and maybe people need new artists, kind of, you know. But for them, they, there's like an expectancy, and you know, the the label wants to meet the same numbers that they did the last album. So I imagine there's always concern between the label and the band of what it's going to do. And ultimately the artist must tell the label, look, man, it's a pandemic. You can't be unrealistic. If you want to put out the album, put it out, but just be realistic in what to expect. And I think that a lot of bands went through that, through the, you know, the album sales weren't what they wanted it to be, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's just music and people might need to listen to it. Yeah. It's really not more complicated than that. It's, it's as easy as saying, it's just music. If you put it out, either people will like it or not. Right. Well, speaking of that, kind of like leading up to putting this album out, was it kind of, since you had it done, was it one of those things where it was like hard to hold on to? <laughs> like, I want to get this out. Like you've had this ready and you want the world to hear it. There, there was, but there was also concern still. Like, oh, are people going to like it? You know, and deep, deep in the back of my head, a couple of times, of course, I even thought, should it even come out? Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I didn't know. I really had no idea. You know, I, I, I could judge um, things personally and, you know, judge them just my, my own conclusions, but I can't really guess what other people might conclude all i could do is just hope that they like it and there was definitely concern and you know, holding on to it kind of it kind of also became like man put it out because i don't know if people are going to like it or not <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was almost like i gotta know if people are going to like it or not <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well there's been a some talk recently about this project with you ex el nino guys coming out like sometime sure. next year, like once you guys have sure. a label and all that stuff, is this something you're looking at as being a kind of like a full-time project? Or are you still going to like split time between that and solo music and whatever else you've got going on? Yeah. I mean, it's something that I, I every, anything I do, I try to take serious. I, I don't like, you know, half-assing some things. Even when I learn new shit, I, I try to go all the way, learn as much as possible. But I, I, it's definitely something I want to take serious. The songs are really, really, really good. 
you know, very impressive songs. So it might it might do well. It might be something that people want to put in their in their listening in their metal listening playlist and stuff like that. Um, but then again, you know, I don't know. I can't really predict what's going to happen. I mean, I, I know that I'm supposed to start playing shows for solo acoustic stuff. I guess uh, March of next year. Sorry, April of next year. And there's certainly plenty of time in a year to be able to, you know, balance two projects that are completely different from each other. And that's the one thing that I could say I'm proud that if I am in a situation where I'm having two projects like this, neither of them are going to compete with each other because it really is two completely different genres of music. The fan, Some fans that are having open mind and an open ear to just great music in any genre would take to some of it you know there'll be like a a gray area where the fans might kind of meet in the middle and like both of the projects but there's definitely enough time in a year where i could balance it out and i i you know i'd love to be able to do two projects and make double the money right <laughs> I mean, I'm getting old, man. I got to start, you know, working on a savings account or else that's not going to grow the way it needs to. <laughs> right. Well, kind of on a non-music subject throughout this pandemic, have you spent when you're not, you know, working on the new stuff? Have you spent your time, your personal time during the pandemic? Well, it's been it, definitely it's been extremely challenging. I wish I would have gotten more time with my daughter than what I what, what I was able to get. Um I had to spend time in court, you know, requesting the court to force more time because of uh, disagreement, parenting disagreement situations and things like that. But I don't know. The thing that, that I've done the most is work on anything that is creative. You know, I've written some, some new songs. I've taken up um, doing legal assistance for after having gone through the court system you know so uh in depth um i've taken on doing some legal assistance for parents that really need the help uh because i've realized that we are in a system where you know two parents separating and having a kid in the middle is an extremely hard situation to maneuver and I'd like to say I, I did a great job leaving my emotions out of it and just trying to have a clean separation. But sometimes people's emotions do get caught up in it, whether you know they're upset at you or whatever the reason may be. Um, so I think a lot of people need to help out there right now, man. And you know, there's so many families going through separations after 2020 and the courts are closed. They have no help from anyone in the court system. And, you know, I just, I feel for anybody that really is just looking to have a mature civil separation. And that's why the court system is there for, to help people that need civility and some kind of um, outside the box perspective on what is the best for the child and things like that. So I've taken on doing things like that. I've also worked on my HTML and Java coding skills more. Um, uh, also worked on my video editing um, prowess a little bit more. I'm trying to learn as much as possible, you know. I'm trying to take as much knowledge to the grave as I can, man. Even if I don't use it and I just learn and maybe it helps me, maybe it helps someone else along the way, that's really all that matters. Right. So I've been just taking on small little projects that are mostly growth-based, you know, thinking, oh, can I be good at this? Can I be good at that? And seeing what kind of draws my my attention the most but mostly creative things but also that other um 
legal aspect where it came to be just out of the situation that I went through and realizing that people need to help. Kind of playing it back into music based off of the stuff you've dealt with personally this year. Like, what have you listened to throughout the year kind of to get through that kind of stuff? As it, I mean, I know you mentioned a few new albums a minute ago, but is there anything specific that you've been digging this year? Yeah, let's see. I'm still listening to the After the Burial album that came out a couple of years ago a lot. Um, the Run the Jewels album was really good. I don't know if you listen to hip-hop, but the Run the Jewels album came out kind of in the middle of the pandemic. That kind of allowed a little bit of you know, of this like good uh, urban hip hop vibe that gave me a good month and a half month of listening to it and having fun. Um, another album that I thought that came out that was good is the Ghost Main album that just came out, which is kind of like Nine Inch Nails blended with hip hop, which is super interesting. Um, the Seven Dust album is really good. The Deftones album I dig, but I'm more like the old school Deftones fan. You know, I'm still stuck in like Around the Fur and the White Pony. Yeah. Um, I haven't gotten to really check. I, I got to check out a couple of songs of the Corey Taylor album, but I haven't gotten full in depth into it yet. I, I was almost like expecting more acoustic stuff on it because he's you know usually does acoustic shows and stuff like that but he did the rock thing which i guess is in interesting is probably where his you know his vibe is at right now he probably just wants to rock out um i enjoyed the non-point um acoustic thing that they had released recently which i thought was really really good and their live stream show was really really good as well um what else? Let's see. Listening to the Jesus Pete. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're like a hardcore band, but they're really, really fucking good. They're like hate breed squared with a little bit more slam metal. They're really fucking good. But uh, their album is really, really good. Uh, anybody who likes hardcore heavy music, you got to check out Jesus Peace. Um, and a couple other things I can't, you know, there's some things that have come out that I have on my, you know, album playlist that every time it comes out, I'm like, shit, this is so badass. Good music is coming out. It's just different. You know, I think that artists at a, are at a time of experimentation right now. I don't know where it'll lead, but it feels like all artists are on some kind of experimentation thing. Yeah whether it's hip-hop artists or metal bands. Yeah, I mean, it's a good time for music, but it's a bad time for selling albums. That's all <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I, I, I've been thinking. Maybe 2021 and 2022, you're going to hear some an explosion of kind of new ideas because so many people have this time this year where they're just, they don't have anything else to do but think about that kind of stuff, you know? Well, I heard, I mean, I heard the other day, I heard Finn McKenty, you know, uh, he was like, he was saying, man, YouTube plays are down across the board the last couple of months. And I, in my head, I'm wondering, it's got to be because people are glued to this election shit. It has to be. Yeah. Everybody's like, what's going on with the election? What's going on with the election? So people's, you know, entertainment that they're taking in, it's it probably mostly to do with like news and shit like that. But we'll probably get back to normal entertainment and people wanting to watch movies and other things like that or regular YouTube content. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time with me today. Hey, man. It was a pleasure hanging out with you, brother. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. There you go, Christian Mikado, former lead vocalist of Il Nino. A huge thank you to Jeff from Chesky Records for hooking that one up. And of course, a massive thank you to Christian there for talking about everything he's got going on. As you heard there, he's also got some new metal coming next year with him and the two other members of Il Nino that all left the band about a year and a half ago. If you're a fan of Il Nino at any point in time, I'm sure that's something you want to check out. And I thought it was cool to hear that 
the assumption for most people would be like, well, it's just going to sound like El Nino because it's those guys. But he said that they're purposely right. making this sound a little bit different. Cause of course. I guess if you want to hear El Nino, there's still a version out there. Right. And I'm not going to slag it at all. I haven't heard it, but our buddy Jess from Sons of Texas is a part of that as well. So and that's a band we've had on this podcast now three times between Jeff and Jeff, between Jess and John. God damn it, Trent. I said Jeff a minute ago, so it's acceptable <laughs> from Chesky Records. <laughs> but yeah, so check out Kristen's brand new album, Hollywood is Sycamore, that just came out here a couple months ago. And yeah, if this is your first time listening, besides Kristen and the guys from Sons of Texas, we've got 300 plus episodes with Where to Begin. We've had on just this past week, we had on Michael from Dark Tranquility. Last week, we had on John Karabi. Recently, we had on Paige Hamilton of Helmet. Michael Spritzer of Devil Driver. We had a big Eddie Van Halen tribute episode here last month with guys from Tesla, Slaughter, the guys I just mentioned, Helmet, Devil Driver, Jim Wilson of Motor Sister, Eddie Veliz of King, Robin McCauley. All those guys I just mentioned have been on here on their own episodes as well. We've also had on guys from Crowbar, Super Joint, Corrosion Conformity, Prong, Typo Negative, Life of Agony, who we talked about there in that interview. Alan Roberts been on here twice, and one of them was just, what, about a month ago? Right. So... Check all those out, and a ton of other great ones throughout the years. TheThunUnderground.com, you can listen to everything there. You can also find all our socials there, wherever you listen. Subscribe, like, share, any of the socials, do the same thing. Just liking a post helps us out, and all the algorithms of all these damn social medias. Exactly. YouTube is another one, at TheThunUnderground, if you subscribe there, we've got a lot of Videos that are separate from this podcast. We've had recent reviews of albums and live performances from Metallica, Alter Bridge, Napalm Death, Dark Tranquility, Hatebreed, Saul, Havoc. Just dig back through there. Check all those out. I think that covers it for another week. Coming up here next week, we're going to get, I believe we're going to get a little melodic and glam on you. Okay. We're going to have some Reb Beach up in here. That's a good one. Yeah, one of my favorite guitarists of all time. Guitarist, of course, of Winger. And he's also been a part of Whitesnake now for about a decade. Then we've got Matthew Nelson, one half of Nelson, which is very cool. So looking forward to getting both those out. And then coming up after that, we'll get heavy again for you. If you're fans of the heaviness, we've got Frederick Lecklerk of Creator, formerly of Dragon Force. We've got Wayne. Lozenak of Hatebreed. We've got, man, what else do we got coming? We've also got Austin Moe, great new blues rock artist. Eric the Trainer, celebrity fitness trainer, has a new band called Main Monster. We've got our buddy Eric Bass coming up as well. And I know there's a couple other things in there that I forgot to look at the list. But And then here later this month, probably the last episode of the year will be like we talked about before that interview, best of 2020. Where you'll be hearing about our favorite albums of our one of our least favorite years. So right. <laughs> At least the music was good. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, a huge thank you to Jeff from Chesky Records, Hell Hot Hot Sauce, DEB Concerts, Sunset Tattoo, and Med Farm. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.